0: Welcome to Trauma Talk. This program encourages you to do a mental assessment of any trauma you have experienced and help you become proactive in your own personal healing and thereby create a better world for you and your loved ones to live and thrive in. Now, here is the host of Trauma Talk, Ezrina Rose Scott.
1: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Trauma Talk Uh, Joining me today is my wonderful friend, Colin Stroud, from Cambridge, England. And Colin was on a former, uh, another episode, and he is the founder and director of the Serenitas Foundation in England. He has training and experience as a client with some really effective techniques that we we talk about often, actually. And uh, a lot of these Trauma Talk episodes have been pre-recorded uh, based on you know availability with the interviewees, and today it's live, so I encourage people to call in and ask questions. The number is one eight 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 three four six nine one four one, and just ask for the Empowerment Channel uh, Trauma Talk. So, hi, Colin, welcome today. Thank you for being on the show again.
2: Yeah, hi, Isrina. Very nice to be here again.
1: Thank you. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the intention of Trauma Talk. It, it has been about getting people more aware of how they may have experienced some form of trauma and how they can talk about it or get some professional help in order to get beyond it, um, not to stay in, stuck in it, not to take on the sense of victimhood, but actually to get them through the trauma To empowerment, and yeah, do you want to add anything to that, Colin?
2: Um, Yes, I think that the uh, main thing that people need to know is that if something has happened to them, which they found has been upsetting or traumatic, um, there's like kind of a motto which I share with people, which is uh, basically that what what has been done can be undone. And that is that you should be able to get back to the state you were before you experienced the trauma. And by using uh, what are fairly simple techniques, um, it is possible to uh, regain your um, balance and fun of life that you had before uh, you experienced a negative uh, incident or series of incidents.
1: Mm -hmm. And what would it take for everyone to choose to change something? So to choose to process even just one degree, uh, change something one degree, and how much change that would create in the world, and how it would, it would affect the way our societies are operating, and how that could benefit families and parenting. Hey, if everybody just checked and changed one degree, what that could create for us all, hey?
2: Oh, that would be marvelous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one of the things that, uh, that I think I noticed in clients who see me Uh, is that there's a a great deal of upsets uh, and problems happen within families. And Mm -hmm. I think that uh, better, more informed parenting uh, is something that would be very, very advantageous for people around the world.
1: Yeah, I think it's essential that we start to learn different ways of parenting to raise our children with with less trauma. And one of the things that you and I both can agree on that we see with children is these fixed ideas. Children grow up with these fixed ideas or uh, these wrong ideas. They receive these wrong messages about themselves, and it creates havoc in their world. And I, yes, I Yeah, what do you have to say to that?
2: Um, yes, it's quite right. And what happens is that a fixed idea is not made up by the person who parrots it. There's a fixed idea, as you will notice. is a fixed idea, which means it generally doesn't change. Um, and what happens, where they come from is from the person's past, uh, and uh, p- perhaps from loved ones in that person's past and that uh, changes uh, it doesn't change, I'm sorry, down through the generations. So uh, as as if one person decides that they, for example, are unable to do certain particular uh, things and they parrot that enough at uh, their children, the children will take that on as if it's true for them also. But of course that person who did that didn't get that, didn't make that up. That came from uh, another source earlier in that life. So these are kind of inherited um, negative uh, postures that people take from the past, and again, they can be they can be undone as well.
1: Yeah, and that's most of our work, isn't it? Is undoing these points of view that people have taken on to be true. Um, yeah, and it's quite it, it can be quite difficult when in adulthood someone has a lot of points of view that just aren't true, but they buy them as true. Hey.
2: That's right, yes, but well, yeah. thankfully there are techniques where we can unravel unravel that, and yeah. uh, it, it doesn't have to be hard just on doing those. It could be a lot of fun as well. In, in uh, When I do sessions with people, a lot of trauma sessions, they usually end in a good in a good place, and often the, the clients are laughing and quite happy that they've uncovered something from the past, which is plainly ridiculous, So which yeah. has been maybe… Uh, Maybe running their lives for them, uh, at least in part and they're very relieved to have uh, have put it behind them
1: Yeah, it's so rewarding to watch people get through that. Hey, yes it is. yes. Yeah. Okay. So we have a call from Marie in uh, British Columbia. Hi, Marie Good morning How are you? How are
0: you?
1: (laughs) I'm good I'm good Good awesome.
3: You have a question? I do. Um, My son, who's seven and a half, uh, just, well, my friend just had to put her dog down uh, a couple of weeks ago. And so that was my first, my son's first experience with really a loss um, in that way. And so he's been, um, other things have been piling into that, but he's having a hard time. And I noticed that now he's having issues at school, it seems. And people are, he says people are laughing at him and stuff. But it, it started when, uh, with the dog. So I'm just wondering what, what to do with that and how to best assist him with this situation.
1: Have you asked your son what, what it means to him that the dog is no longer with you? Because mm. often children, they, they create these stories in their heads that may or may not be true, that are actually contributing to anxiety. Um, so have you actually had a conversation with him about what it means that the dog is no longer there?
3: Uh, somewhat. We did talk about the dog just not having a body anymore, that he was suffering in his body, and so that, um, the spirit of the dog, or however people refer to it, was just not in the body anymore. So that's kind of what we talked
1: about. Um, And does he understand what that, what that means?
3: Um, we've been, I'm not sure we've talked about that, because my mom passed away, um, a long time ago, and he feels like, we talked about my mom not having a body anymore
1: ah, okay. um,
3: before, so I'm, I'm hoping he gets it.
1: <laughs> so often what happens is a current incident can trigger a past incident, so the loss of the dog could actually be stimulating um, some unprocessed, say, emotions or, or, or what have you, about um, your son losing his grandmother. Right. If that wasn't fully processed, it could be re-stimulated. Uh, Colin, did you want to add to that?
2: Uh, well, actually, yes. Thank you. And hello, Marie. Um, by the Hi. the way that you you talked about your mum's passing away, how long ago was that?
3: Uh, that was before my son was born. That was six. It'll be
2: sixteen years. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I didn't know how, how recently that was. But I would say that the uh, the, the most common uh, misunderstanding might be that. Uh, in some way, if, if your son starts to cry because he's talking about the dog, um, that you might feel the need to fix that or to prevent him from crying. Whereas, in fact, crying is a very normal uh, and very positive uh, response to a grief incident. And that uh, if you are able to encourage him to cry, I mean, if he starts to cry, don't do anything that might stop him from crying. And that would uh, apply to the way you might behave around him at that time. So just be very cool about it and uh, just you know, give him a hug. Uh, Getting to sit on your knee, whatever you do when you're when you're close to him, anyway, and just uh, find out what he has to say about it. And it may just be that he needs to just cry in the in the presence of someone such as yourself, who's got uh, some loving, uh, careful, and, uh, caring um, uh, uh, countenance, and then he will he will move through that almost certainly.
1: And can I add to that as well? Um, often, what happens is when a child talks about something, sometimes what comes out of their mouth may not make sense to an adult and the adult can say, well, no, that doesn't make sense, la, 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 that actually can keep part of the incident stuck. So even if the adult brain thinks that what comes out of the child's mouth doesn't make sense, let him process it thoroughly um, because that's when he recovers from it. So even if he does say something um, that doesn't make sense to you, Marie, uh, just mm-hmm. let him fully process it while he's crying or whatever he's saying, and until he actually spontaneously recovers, and you'll see the difference in that. He sort of just bounces out of his grief.
3: Okay, because it it seems like now he's talking about kids at school laughing at him and stuff. I do let him cry. Um, I don't I don't feel like I'm stopping him, but it's when he starts saying that. Because he's mentioned, he doesn't want to be here anymore, which is not something I'm, like, I'm not sure what to do with that.
1: Doesn't want to be here anymore, as in? Not
3: wanting to have a body anymore.
1: Like the dog? Yeah. Okay, so that's a little bit more complicated, hey?
3: Yeah, well, there's, because we're moving as well, right? He's talking about how his life is horrible.
1: Okay, so like multiple losses. Yes. <laughs> okay. Colin, what do you want to add to that?
2: Um, well, it seems to me that uh, he may have taken on the idea of uh, the spirit leaving the dog's body, for example, um, which is perhaps an adult's way of thinking about grief or thinking about loss. It might be that he's just taken that on. So when he's, when he's asked for an opinion, uh, he's giving that back, a little bit maybe like a fixed idea that we were talking earlier on in the show. So I, I think that I wouldn't put too much um, currency on that, um, and I would find ways uh, to play with him and be close to him and uh, to um, maybe do some things that are active with him as well, because kids love to be active at the age of the age he's in, he's starting to be at the point where at schools and things. Children are encouraged not to be particularly active. They're told to sit down at their desks. They're told to behave in certain ways. And this, this, this tends to, they also tend to cubby hold them into doing certain sports or activities. Um, and I would, uh, I would see if, if you could find there's anything that you could do together, uh, or if he has any siblings uh, or um, your husband or partner, if there is is like, uh, And just get out there and do things with him. And be absolutely normal and okay about him. Uh, when he complains about that, uh, about certain things in his life, the best thing to do is to just to acknowledge what he said. Just to say, yes, okay, I hear I hear what you say. Thanks for that. And no need to engage in the actual discussion with it, because that might lead to setting up more fixed ideas from him.
1: Right. Okay, okay. does that help, Marie? Yes, it does. Okay, awesome. Great. Yeah, thank okay. you for calling in. Thank you for
2: your help. And All right. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks for calling.
1: Thank you. Okay, and now we have a uh, Melinda from Whistler, British Columbia. Hi, Melinda. Hello, Isrina. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can hear you. And Colin is on the line with us as well. Hello, Colin.
2: Yeah. You... yeah hi. Welcome, Melinda.
1: Um,
4: I had a question for you guys today. Um. Recently, I I made a new friend, and uh, she was she mentioned how she had experienced trauma in her childhood, and uh, announced how this was part of her makeup and it was never going to change. And I felt really helpless in uh, because you talked about the fact that uh, this can change and and uh, trauma can lead to empowerment, um, but I didn't know. So, I, I believe that, and I didn't know how to talk to her So to present this idea, and I was wondering uh, what you would uh, be able to say about
1: that. Has she actually talked about what the incident is? Uh, no,
4: but uh, my sense was a,
1: a traumatic
4: childhood experience in a relationship with um, maybe her father or... A a parent, um, uh, and so once, uh, like as an adult, she was uh, diagnosed with uh, post-traumatic stress, um, post-traumatic stress from having lived in that household. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, uh, I feel that's how. Uh, maybe this diagnosis was what um, made her think that that's it, this is who I am, and it will never change.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a fixed idea, like we were just talking about, how she's adopted this point of view, Yeah, that it's uh, irreversible. Um, Have you broached the subject with her, that it is undoable? Like, we can undo it, and she can move through it?
4: Um, yes. And at the same time, I didn't feel equipped on explaining uh, more about, um, like how, uh, how things can change, like how can a, a perception can change or a belief can change. And I was wondering if you'd have, uh, if you were to meet someone who's who think or believe that nothing can change, what would you say to them? Like, how would you explain that? Uh, I mean, you know, I know you, you talked a bit at the beginning of the show, but what else would you add?
1: Uh, uh, go for it, Colin. Um,
2: yeah, thank you. Well, the, I think the most obvious thing that what you were talking about there, you were talking about her having kind of adopted this identity of maybe someone who believes that there is no possibility to change. And yeah, uh, this is as exactly we were talking that. about. Yeah, that's right. So when people have been traumatised, usually, uh, and when they've had incidents, usually, they usually they make up a distorted viewpoint of what happened. What actually happened yeah. isn't exactly what happened, and that's how you get to start to make. You try to in trying to make sense of it, uh, you come up with all kinds of strange uh, and not true um, mm-hmm. points of view. Um, you know, so it might might be something quite straightforward, like, um, you know, whenever I walk past a a cemetery, I'm going to see ghosts, for example. Now, uh, there may be people who have that kind of point of view, Um, and they've got that from somewhere, that's not part of the normal flexible intelligence that we have as humans. Um, And so when someone does take on an identity, you will find it's always rigid, and you will find that it's the same thing, and you'll find pretty much the same thing comes out of the person's mouth uh, every time they talk about it. And um you may have noticed that about your friend. Um and I think that the, the the main thing is just to learn how to listen to someone like that. Um, do you know if she's ever sought any help, uh, any therapeutic interventions?
4: Yes, yes. And uh, also that's another thing that made me feel helpless is because she said I tried so many things, I tried this, I tried that and uh and I, I myself from past experience know that feeling of I've tried everything and nothing seems to work and, uh, and I to tell idea. Her, don't give up. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes. so yes, she has tried uh, different things before and that, that adds to the problem of what to say to someone uh, to, to allow for an opening or to allow for uh, a seed of something different existing.
2: Yes, okay. Um, well, I would say that when you have a nice time, uh, time to be with her in a nice sort of uh, good quality environment or something like that, she feels like talking, you might just say to her, well, um, you know, just tell me, is there something that you could tell me about what happened when you, were, when you were young? She presumably has told you about her childhood in some way, so you were able to, and she talked to you about the diagnosis of PTSD, so you must al- al- already have an, a, a kind of an opening with her.
4: Um, not yet, but it is possible.
2: Yeah. Okay. We are, we are um, quite
4: new friends.
2: Oh, I see. Okay. Well, in that case, I would go very, very easily on it. Um, if she's had a disappointment with uh, with therapy, um, not all therapists are skilled with the with the um, operation of how the the mind takes on traumatic memories and also the unraveling of them. And um, so many people can find. I've had people come to me and they've spent, for example, twelve sessions on a car crash Um, and then they are very surprised to find that we can complete it in one session Um, just because the way that the the way that therapists are working is not using the techniques that are necessarily effective uh, against physical impact and things like that and if the childhood uh, incidents involved um, violence uh, or worse then uh, almost certainly something um, which is specializing, someone who is specializing in traumatic interventions will be needed to become involved. And on on that basis, uh, what what the most important thing is that those people will do during such a session is they will basically just ask the person what happened. And they will do so, but in a structured way, so they don't kind of get hit with a sack load of horrible incidents. Uh, But they will piece it up and sort of slice and dice it so that each incident is is easily manageable and uh, the client isn't overwhelmed. And at the end of each session, there is a kind of a win, um, a a kind of a way forward, and a a gradual brightening of the skies. And that's how I work with clients. And after two or three sessions, they will start to really see themselves free uh, of those things which they thought that they could never be free of.
1: Yeah, and for Melinda, she can simply be present with her friend and create a space that the friend can talk about it in a non-judgmental way. That would be a first step, hey?
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I would uh, don't try to fix her up with advice. So yeah. um, just, uh, you know, if she says, oh, I've, I've had such a terrible time, what do you think I ought to do about that? Uh, then you could just say, well, you know, you could tell me what happened. Uh, and that you don't need to fix the person up in the sense of getting her to do this, that, or the other. Um, and in some cases, people, they've taken on an identity of needing to be helped out of their troubles. But in fact, we all have the answer to our troubles since we are the ones experience in first hand
1: so I'm just going to interject here we're going to take a short break and Melinda if you want to continue to ask a question stay stay on the line um, if okay. not I hope this has been helpful yes uh, I'll stay on the line thank you oh okay so we're going to take a short break thank you
3: On Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world. And that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment.
0: Visit Ezrina.ca for information about counseling and body healing services. Ezrina is a master's therapeutic counselor registered with the Association of Cooperative Counseling Therapists of Canada. She has 10 years of counseling experience. She will work both in her office as well as via Skype or will travel to your area through her workshops. You can even schedule a session online. These sessions are one hour or 90 minutes long. Visit Ezrena.ca. Again, that's Ezrena.ca. Ezrena Rose Scott conducts several workshops every year and she can bring them to you wherever you are. Visit Ezrena.ca or call 250 212 5596 for more information. Ezrena is an access consciousness practitioner. Her popular workshops include Access Consciousness, The Bars, as well as workshops on money, body, and relationships. Ezrina's workshops can help you get unstuck and move forward in your life. Find out more or bring a friend along. Visit Azrina.ca for more information or call 250-212-5596.
2: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are listening to Trauma Talk with Esrena Rose Scott. To reach our program today, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 346 9141. If you'd rather send an email, you can send it to Ezrina at esrina.ca Now, let's return to Trauma Talk.
1: Hi, Melinda. Would you like to say more about your friend?
4: I, was, I had a second question, if that's okay. It's still in the same uh, line. Um, so one of, the, one of the sentences she said that really struck me was uh, along the words of um, i have i ha- uh i have experienced trauma and so this is who i am and um i have to live my life along those ways and it, it felt like a a sentence to me and and also um a belief that's restricting her in how uh wonderful her life can be. And so I don't know if it's the scope of this call or not, but I was wondering if you could uh Cover or discuss what someone can do on their own uh, to change uh, a belief like this or to to start making space for the possibility that something different can exist, or maybe you know of uh, examples of people who have gone from uh, believing something like this and then having a totally different perspective later. <laughs>
1: Well, I have a, a, an answer to that. One of the techniques I share as a tool with my clients is, uh, very simply put, it's a, a cognitive tool, and it's you catch the thought, you challenge the thought, you change the thought. So, catching the thought is, oh, I'll never change, right? Okay, oh, I just had that thought. I can't believe I said that again. Challenge the thought. Okay, so I I believe I'll never change again. I'll never change. And then what you're doing is you're challenging, okay, so where have I changed? Oh, I've changed this area of my life, and I've changed this belief, and I've changed this and that. Oh, okay, so actually I have changed things in my life. And then it's like she's giving herself permission to, to change the belief. So then now she can say, you know what, I actually can change, and I can change this. So now I can change my belief. I can change. So it's like um breaking it apart, challenging it, and then actually changing the belief. Does does that help?
4: Yes, that sounds amazing. Yes, I did I um <laughs> I would not have been able to say it better. Thank you. Oh, okay, yeah, you're welcome. And um Colleen, anything you'd like to add of another technique that you know maybe or
2: Well, uh what uh what um Isrina said it sounds great. Just remember that all self-limiting phrases are not part of our flexible intelligence that are, is who we are. You have to get them from somewhere. You either get them from hearing it repeatedly from people who, uh, in your uh, maybe earlier or later lives, or you get it when you experience a trauma. So it's come from outside you, and therefore it's actually not part of you, and it can be undone. So the, the important thing, whenever, whenever I feel a bit down in the dumps, I always just say to myself, well, where did if I have, if I have a sense of something that i can't do properly and, I'm, and i'll say to myself well, where did i get that idea from and uh, even that I, can release it yeah yes it can uh, and where did i get that from because i know that's not me that's not the real me and so you could say well all right now it's not the time to have a trauma session but at least i can take on the theory that i know that that's not part of me and that if i wish to i can go and find out where that came from
1: yeah and uh Access consciousness uses the phrase uh, "Who does that belong to?" And what that is is just illuminating the fact that it isn't actually mine. I've bought it to be true about me, but it isn't. So I'm going to just, you know, who does it belong to? That can release it from from what we've bought to be true about ourselves. Realizing, hey, this isn't mine. Exactly what you're saying, Colin. This isn't mine. Why did I buy it as true? I don't want it. It can go. It can leave now. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's right. It's uh, like it's an incoming baseball, and uh, that's the negative um, fixed idea. It's coming at you. You've got your baseball uh, bat in, in in your hand. Um, you whack it into the far distance to say, "Well, I'm just going to send that back to where that came from." Yeah, and that's not that's not part of me.
1: Yeah, so you can use that hey, analogy with it. your friend. Yes,
4: yes, that's awesome. Like, thank you, guys. Like. <laughs> I heard at least four things that I need to re-listen to to be able to. Uh, oh, awesome! To share with her.
1: <laughs> well, most most of the uh, episodes I'm transposing onto my website as rena.ca in the drop-down menu on the blog, Trauma Talk. So you can always refer to that um, when when I get around to uh, transferring the information, it'll be there. Okay, perfect. Okay, awesome. Have a great day, Melinda. Thank, nice you. To speak thank, to you thank you. Thank you for calling in. Bye
2: bye.
1: Bye. And now we have Marisa. Marisa, how are you today? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Okay, so I'm a newly
5: starting out counselor, and I am wanting to specialize in the area of intimate relationships, and I have taken some trauma training in TIR, because I am quite interested in how trauma affects people, especially in intimate relationships. So, one of my questions that I have is kind of a two-part question. So, when someone has experienced trauma in their life and it hasn't been addressed, what are some of the most common behavioral attributes that may present in the relationship, and how can we screen for those traumas and narrow in on them to see if there's something that we can address.
1: Ooh, okay. So welcome to the field first and foremost. Um, I yes. think what the work you've chosen is extremely important and I know that Colin agrees with that. Um, so there's so you're asking from the perspective of a therapist, right? When you say how do we screen for trauma? Mm-hmm. And how yeah, does so it show up in intimate relationships?
5: Some of the uh, behavior that maybe they come in and they say, "This is what's going on. This is what I'm doing. This is what my partner's doing. This is what happens to me."
1: Okay. Well, first yeah. and foremost, um, think coming from the perspective with trauma is identify any traumatic incidents in order to help the client process and resolve those. Because that will clear up a lot of the behaviors that are clashing in the intimate uh, relationship. So often, if there if there is trauma and there is some form of post traumatic stress, uh, for lots of people, there's there's anger. There can be blame. There can be fear of abandonment. There can be these distorted core beliefs that I'm not good enough. I don't deserve. Uh, I'm not lovable. That's how it can sometimes show up in relationships. Um, do you want to say more to that, Colin?
2: Um, well, it's probably worth mentioning both uh, Isrina and I are both trained in TIR, and we've used it as a uh, central plank of the work we do with people. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, do you do work, Marissa, with couples uh, in the same room? I do, yes. Yeah. Um, because I know that some people have also used TIR with couples um, uh, as this kind of question answer thing. Because the main thing about couples work, I think, is that when people have something to say, um, that they get that they get heard by the other partner. Uh, no doubt that's part of that training that you've taken uh, that you've taken with, with couples work. Um,
6: mm-hmm.
2: And uh, a, lot of things, a lot of these things are based on past traumas that people have endured in their lives before they even met the partner. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the theories that we learn in TIR just show that the, the past traumas are, are really coming up into the present and they've hijacked the present uh, and they're now causing the relationship to, to hit the rocks. And the first thing that people stop doing is listening to each other. So, uh, in, a, in a proper session, you have a timed Uh, or, uh, sorry, an untimed um, occasion in the presence of the counsellor where you might be able to actually finish a sentence uh, without being interrupted. And just that itself uh, means that uh, you're able to to achieve change. Remember that it's the voicing of the problem where the change is. It's not in the other person listening to it, although they they may acknowledge, and as as you know, part of GIR is acknowledgements. If they could acknowledge that they've heard the other side, then the other side feels immediately validated. And those kind of things are, uh, are what I've done when I've worked with uh, individuals, but I haven't actually done any face-to-face couples work.
3: Okay.
5: So when you, Colin, say that you do TIR with couples now, are you implying that we would do TIR with them both in the room or uh, separately as no, individuals? I would-
2: I, I would do it separately, but I do know some people who, have, who do TIR in couples, but it's mostly in family work where you've got parents and teenagers, for example, uh, where you've got uh, two polarized sort of um, uh, uh, points of view. Um, but it is possible to do, to do that kind of thing uh, because also the people are looking at the same incident from a different point of view, and this can be very valuable uh, to the understanding of the trauma by the other person. Um, but I would say mostly people are coming in uh, if they're coming in with relationship problems. It's because they're being re-stimulated by, by the relationship and things. Something's happened, and this has fired up stuff that has come from the past. And of course, that's exactly the territory where uh, we know how to uh, how to take the next step and, make, and take the next action.
1: Mm-hmm. And if both uh, uh, both clients are doing their work or each clearing their own previous traumas. Um, it, it can very quickly improve the relationship more than if one of the client is doing their work. If, if both are doing work, clearing past stuff, it is that much more effective for the relationship. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I, I'm lucky uh, that I'm married to a, a woman who has done uh, a lot of uh, her own training in this matter. Um, and therefore, when we have had upsets in the past, we've learned how to listen to each other uh, and to move through um, the particular upsets uh, by processing them. And, uh, uh, and actually, you really have to do very little. Um, uh, you just need to, you need to voice your upset, and the other person needs to hear that they've heard it. And uh, that's really the main, the main part of the uh, cycle, which is the initiation of something and the acknowledgement of something and the settlement of, the, uh, of that circle.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, having the, um, the feeling that you've been heard, whether or not the other person agrees with you or not, can really discharge the item for you.
2: That's exactly right, yeah. Uh, when, when we're, as, tr- as facilitators of TIR, uh, we use this process in order to keep good communication going with the client, to make sure the client is happy in the session at all times. Um, and of course, uh, we forget that that's actually what you can do in, in ordinary life. If you mm-hmm. have an upset with a work colleague, or if you have uh, an upset with a with you know, someone in a train or something, you can uh, you can start a cycle of communication with that person that will help clear up an upset.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that helpful, Marisa?
5: Yeah. Uh, one of the other questions that kind of popped up when you were saying uh, people will tell you about their trauma, so you screen for them in the initial session or so. One of the Things that I've been experiencing is that when you ask people that question, they say, "Oh, I don't, I don't have anything," but you can kind of tell that there has been something that's gone on, yes. but they uh, they don't link the two together.
2: So yeah, the word trauma seems
5: to scare them? people. Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just curious as how you make the connection for them to start having the client gain awareness of maybe what happened to them and how their behavior could be linked to it?
1: Well, first and foremost, I think the word trauma does, it scares people. They they don't know, they suppress it. Very often I see exactly what you're seeing with clients. And if they tell, oh, well, this happened to me when I was a kid, uh, but, uh, you know, that was so long ago, it's not a big deal. And I'll say, oh, would you consider that traumatic? Oh, no, I'm past that. But if you notice that their eye flickers or they get fidgety or they get uncomfortable, those are body signs saying that it wasn't resolved. And I would simply say, okay, well would you would you tell me a little bit more about that? And very often, if not always, people will start talking about it because they didn't talk about it before, because it's not processed, because it's not resolved, we naturally want and gravitate to to resolution. The problem is is we don't ha- often have an opportunity uh, or someone there to listen or to support us or to validate us. We often are faced with people that are judging us or invalidating us or telling us we shouldn't feel that way or oh that wasn't a big deal or that happened so long ago. Why would you even bring keep bringing that up? they keep bringing it up because it hasn't been processed and resolved. So I would just invite them to talk about it right then and there, tell them, you know, get them to tell you more. Even if they think it hasn't impacted them, you've got a trained eye. You can see that it, it is still affecting them. And mm-hmm. it will most definitely play out in relationships, without a doubt in my mind. hmm Absolutely. Okay, and then
5: uh, one of the other questions that I had was... Uh, When someone has been sexually abused and they have a hard time opening up intimately in a relationship, how can you work with them or what kinds of techniques would you use to help alleviate their symptoms?
1: Well, first and foremost, they have to be open to receiving counseling. Uh, The second piece is, are they ready and willing to talk about the past sexual abuse and then, of course, well, we use TIR, Traumatic Incident Reduction, to help reduce the effects of that traumatic uh, incident or incidents of sexual abuse. Because when that's processed and resolved, it, it clears up, say, any um, fixed points of view about sex, about intimate relationships, about the person's body, about all sorts of things. And that in and of itself can can clear which will improve the intimacy in the relationship. Do you want to add to that, Colin? We've got about a minute before the next break.
2: Um, yes, just uh, that such people that I've run uh, with uh, doing the traumatic techniques have often ended up quite early in their lives, maybe two, three, four years old uh, with incidents, and where they don't really necessarily have a full reliance on their recalls. Um, and they may be mistrusting of their, um, of their recalls. But yeah, my, good point. It, it is most important to persist in that case. So it looks like it's evaporating, maybe. I'm speaking a little bit jargony here because I know that Marissa will know what I'm talking about. But if it's if the incident tends to become a little bit diffuse, the important thing about that is to keep on th- running through it.
1: Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the more you run through it, the more it discharges.
2: Yeah, and of course there may be an earlier similar incident upon which that's founded, even at the age of three.
1: Yeah. And often that's what it is, isn't it? It's the case that, you know, things are showing up now, but it's it's attached to a previous similar incident. And then when we address that one, often we discover, oh, that's attached to yet another previous earlier incident, similar incident. And it can go back and back and back. And there could be a, a sequence of these uh, events that are all being stimulated in the current relationship, which can explain high levels of anxiety or anger etc so uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be back in a moment marisa if you have other questions you're f- you're free to stay on the line um, but i hope we've been help- helpful thus far no i I'm, I'm good that was oh. all i had for today okay thank you so much for your call have a great day and we're going to take a short break
2: thank yeah. you marisa mm-hmm.
3: Out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel, VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: Visit Ezrina.ca for information about counseling and body healing services. Ezrina is a master's therapeutic counselor registered with the Association of Cooperative Counseling Therapists of Canada. She has 10 years of counseling experience. She will work both in her office as well as via Skype or will travel to your area through her workshops. You can even schedule a session online. These sessions are one hour or 90 minutes long. Visit Azrina.ca. Again, that's Azrina.ca. Ezrina Rose Scott conducts several workshops every year and she can bring them to you wherever you are. Visit ezrena.ca or call 250-212-5596 for more information. Ezrina is an Access Consciousness Practitioner. Her popular workshops include Access Consciousness, The Bars, as well as workshops on money, body, and relationships. Ezrina's workshops can help you get unstuck and move forward in your life. Find out more or bring a friend along. Visit ezrena.ca for more information or call 250-212-5596.
3: It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: You are listening to Trauma Talk with Ezrina Rose Scott. To reach our program today, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send an email, you can send it to Ezrina at Ezrina.ca. Now, let's return to Trauma Talk.
1: Hello, everyone. And uh, hi, Dan. I see that you've been waiting. Thank you for calling in. you have a question?
7: Yeah, thanks. I take, thanks for taking the question. My question yeah. is uh, what effect does trauma in the past have on healing our bodies right now?
1: So, how does trauma affect healing physical ailments right now? Like, are you concerned about some physical ailment? Uh, and is it. Tell me more.
7: It, it's. It's. Uh. uh yeah, you know, I'm not even sure what to say on that it's um so are you a,
1: experiencing some physical issues
7: uh nothing well there's a few minor things but I don't know if it has anything to do with trauma um it's more I'm just curious the as a as a kid as a child I experienced a, a lot of bullying and then on top of that um my mom had issues a lot of issues and she didn't she wasn't physically abusive to us but to my sister and myself. But there was a lot of times where she would have huge emotional shifts and she would all of a sudden sit us down the like middle of the living room carpet and say, The end of days is about to start here, we gotta be ready to if it happens in the next couple of days we gotta be ready to grab all of our stuff and run and hide underneath the, the nearby bridge and we'll seek cover wherever we can and just really weird stuff that that would, like, highly, intensely, mo- emotionally charged, threw me for a loop, never understood what, really what was going on, where this, what this was about, and then the next day she'd be calm, but it was a lot of that stuff through my childhood and early teen So, tenure. she
1: instituted fear in your childhood? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. So, would you say that fear, or the energy of fear, is locked in your body, causing physical... Yeah. Ailments. I'd okay.
7: There's something there about that.
1: Yeah, okay. So, well, one of the first things I would do is I would encourage you to talk about your mom, talk about the experiences that you've had with your mom and how those experiences impacted you. And then very often when people start talking about the topic that is the, I guess, for lack of a better word, the issue, it starts to stimulate sensations in the body. And then I would have the person like really go into their body and acknowledge what is happening in the body right then and there while talking about the issue. And what that does is it can connect to your body and your body's actually processing and releasing some of that. There there is a connection between like trauma and the mental, the emotional, the physical and the physiological. And often people are thinking about it separately. Right? So somebody might uh, go and talk about, "Oh, I'm having all these physical ailments." but they're not talking about the mental piece or the emotional piece. Or somebody might come in and they might talk about a particular traumatic incident, but they're, they refuse to feel it in their body or they can't anymore feel it in their body. So I would use a holistic approach and get you talking about that, your experiences with, with your mom and then what, what that's left you with because I could imagine there's a lot of fear.
7: Yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd agree to that. Could I, could and, I make a suggestion
1: Yeah, now? go for it, Colin.
2: Um, it, with, the, uh, with the body, uh, when one suffers a, a trauma, it's easy to see, of course, if you have an impact or an injury or someone hits you or beats you up or something. It's easy to see that that uh, is, an, is, is influencing you from the outside. And it does indeed impose a trauma of some sort. But some some people, they completely recover from those and they have no interest in looking back at those incidents. Um, In in other cases, when we're invalidated or scared by the behavior, in particular an adult, uh, if if your mother has behaved as she had done, uh, it's extremely unfortunate for you that that happened. And it is nothing to do with you, uh, and it never was. Um, But it can frighten uh, young people. And when they do that, of course, uh, your body becomes tense. And when your body becomes tense, there's a whole lot of musculature uh, stress going on inside the body. And uh, because you're, and you've got adrenaline, maybe because you're thinking about flying away from this, uh, uh, this incident, and your body systems, endocrine systems and all that, they, they go on hold. And so then that may be re-stimulated when you come into later life. And there may be quite a lot of things like that which cause uh, a bit of trouble or upset later on in life. And if you, can, if you can look at those past incidents in a way that clears them up, uh, then you will probably notice a, a, a number of different improvements in your life. Excellent, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, and I would say on that, uh, we have um, there is a very nice little technique which we use in TR, which is called a touch remedy. Which is if someone has hurt their body in some way. Uh, generally speaking, we're trained uh, by our parents uh, and, and carers uh, to try to take our attention away from a, an injury. In fact, your body requires you to do the opposite. If you have got a, an injury, it's best to try to put your attention on it, feel the injury, and get your body to really notice it. And that way, uh, the, the body heals much faster. And I, had, I had this situation with a friend of mine who had a, had a car crash. Uh, it left him with a bad back. His car crash was actually an extremely um, violent one, but he had no interest in the car crash. As I was saying, he'd recovered from it, it didn't seem to leave him with any mental scars, but he had, was left with a back that was so painful he couldn't walk. Um, and I turned up and I did uh, a very simple remedy on him, which is just placing my hand gently around the injured place. And 20 minutes later, he was walking normally. And th- that was the kind of, th- and he went back to work, and since that time it hasn't recovered. And I would have thought that impossible, but it actually it did happen.
1: Yeah, and I worked with a client who uh, had a motorcycle collision and what I did was a, a form of touch remedy and I um, gently tapped the scars and she was somewhat flooded with uh, the emotions from that, uh, flashbacks of the the collision, the impact, memories, and her body was just basically discharging and I was just very, very gently tapping uh, the injury sites and it helped her process uh, through it quickly. Yeah, does that help, Dan?
7: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, awesome. Lots, uh, lots to think on, lots of food for thought.
1: Okay, thank you so much for calling in.
7: Good, thank you, bye.
1: Okay, have a Bye-bye. good day. Bye-bye. Hi, Shelly. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. How are you today? Oh, okay. oh I'm okay.
6: Um, so I just wanted to share, I guess, um, how... The trauma therapy impacted me. Okay, and how, um, like, it's such an amazing thing. Like, I never even heard about any of this before, and I've had so much trauma in my life, and I'm 43 years old, and I've carried it for a long time, and um, and I've seen many counselors in my lifetime, as you can imagine, and things, and um, you know, it kind of was, you know. like a temporary thing if it it even helped at all and I would still when those dates of those traumatic things came along you know your body or your mind goes back to it and things and I I would still you know still experience those things um, memories and stuff and if I drove by you know places that you know would trigger me and things but um, one thing you know and I and I always like think that more people should, you know, be aware of this kind of therapy and things because it helped me so much. Like I remember the first time that I um, experienced the tr- um, the trauma therapy. Um, I remember it, it like felt like weight being lifted off, and yeah, it was such an amazing experience. Like because it and it and it felt a little scary too at the same time because I had never experienced like you lived you know, live, live with this junk for so many years that it's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's always there. And um, I just want to say, like, um, for instance, one of, the, one of the situations I was raped in in a place, and I, every time I used to drive through that place, um, I could be talking with someone in the car, and the moment that I would get to that place, all of a sudden, the whole incident would start coming back to me, like, just play-by-play play as if it happened. And this was on my 21st birthday. I'm 43 now. And every yeah. time I would drive through there, this would go through my mind. And I remember after working um, with you, Zrena, um I remember I was, I was talking with my mom in the car, and we're driving along, we're going down to OMAC, and um, we got to OMAC... And then I realized after we'd gotten there, you know, this is after many years of driving through there and, like, reliving it every time of going through there, um, I told my mom, I said, gee, Mom, I said, we just came through there. I said, and I didn't even think about it because my mom knows about what happened and things. And she says, oh, you know, and I, and I thought, well, wow, like, you, you know, you... It's like it's gone, you know, and um, and I thought, I wonder, since I brought it up now that when we go back, am I gonna you know go through it again coming coming back, and we came back in the same thing i I was we were talking all the way back, and it didn't stop and like and stop me in my tracks and and um, and it's just an amazing like, I don't know how exactly it all works and things, but um. It's been the only thing that's helped me um, deal with all, all the trauma that I've had and and to like, you know, move on with my life and to not be weighed down by all that anymore.
1: Yeah, and that's often what happens, right, Shelly, is when when we yeah. experience trauma, it feels like this really big, heavy burden and you carried it for yeah. almost two decades, right? And yeah. then when when you gently confront the incident and process it and really get rid of it what you are saying is that you didn't even remember when you drove by the mm-hmm. site which used to be yeah. a trigger for you so yeah. that's the value of getting trauma therapy um mm-hmm. And and your your story is remarkable. I remember your story and thank you for calling in and sharing that. That's been wonderful. Um, I wish we could hear more of, of your story, but we're we're at the closing of our episode. And mm-hmm. um uh, yeah, I, I hope that you can share that story with other people to instill hope and invite them to get some help as well. So yeah, I wanna I, thank I you. Yeah, I wanna thank you, Shelley, very much for sharing that. And I want to thank everyone else that called in today. And I'm sorry we couldn't get to everyone. I know there's still people on hold. um, But there are a few more episodes of Trauma Talk coming up. So feel free to call in again. Um, Thank you, Shelley. Thank you, Colin, for being a part of this episode.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Yeah. Um, So have a great day, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to Trauma Talk with Ezrina Rose Scott. Be sure to tune in to the program again next Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we speak again, make this week your best.